Welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. Wherever you find American troops today, you'll find the men of the Transportation Corps. Enough and on time. That's the story we tell you today. The story of the Army Quartermaster Corps. These youthful servicemen are members of the Army's Military Police Corps. One of the most important forces behind the lines. The Army Ordnance Corps. Welcome once again to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Adam Ross, Public Affairs NCOIC for 19th ESC. And we have a great episode today talking about all things personnel in 19th ESC and the Army. And so today I'm joined by Lieutenant Colonel Yolanda Nieto, Sergeant Major Angelia Witter, and Warrant Officer 1 Corey Bollinger. Uh, they all work in our powerhouse S G one department, excuse me, not S one. So <laughs> welcome all. So, um, ma'am, your title, you are the G one. That's that correct. Right? Okay. And, um, so thank you all again for joining us. Um, we'll start with you, ma'am. Um, so you're relatively new to 19th ESC or how long have you been here? Oh gosh, let's see about, uh, I think, yeah, I'm right at the six month mark. Okay. So. If time flies, right. yeah, it does. It you really still does. seem like an, a newbie to yeah. me. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I feel like a newbie still. So, um, <laughs> What what brought you to the army, ma'am? Have you always been in in uh, the administrative side? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, no, <laughs> um, I uh, actually was commissioned through ROTC, and um, I was uh, branched uh, chemical corps. So oh, really? yeah, and then um, uh, after that, I uh, did a little bit of finance, and then uh, then became AG. And so, so, which one? What's been your favorite one so far? Oh, that's a hard one. They've all been really good assignments and good branches to work in. Um, the experience and just the knowledge that you gain in each one of those branches uh, really has led me to where I am today. And I heard you used to be an EO as well. Uh, that is true. Um, for General Shampoo at 8th Army Headquarters. Uh, okay. That was uh, 2012 through 2015. Okay, interesting. And Sergeant Major, uh, same, same question to you. What, what brought you to the Army? When, when did you enlist? So I enlisted in the Army in 1998, so I've been doing this for almost 23 years. Um, when I enlisted in the Army, I was admin, um, but it was 71 Lima at that time. And then we, the the Adjutant General Corps, to, decided to combine all the 71, 75s, and that's how we became 42 Alphas. Um, I enlisted to essentially leave home. Um, didn't want to stay in Augusta, Georgia, and I have been doing this ever since. I have no regrets. Um, I would say by far my best assignment up to this juncture in my career has been a my time that I serve as a drill sergeant. I don't think there's any other time in um, a NCO's career that they would be able to take a civilian who just left the streets and then over the period of nine to ten weeks, um, if you're basic combat training and maybe even longer if you're a one-stop unit training drill sergeant, that you get to see the progress or the transformation from the civilian to a soldier. So, And where, where were you a drill sergeant? I was a drill sergeant in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Okay. So that was OSAT. No. Oh. Um, so at that time, it was basically um, the nine weeks or 10 weeks, give or take. And then the soldiers that were the 13 series or the 14 series, they did go uh, cross posts, what we would call it, to do that training. And then the various other MOSs, we mainly got soldiers that were 
um, that enlisted to do like the medical field because of cost effectiveness as far as transporting them from a basic training site to like Fort Sam Houston to do that second part of their okay. training. Interesting. And, uh, Warren Officer, uh, Mr. Bollinger, I'm sorry. Yes. I keep wanting to say chief, but I know that's not right. That's so all right. Mi- that's Mr. All right. Bollinger, so you, um, you, you've been in the NCO Corps previously before crossing yes. over. So what um, what were you doing as an NCO? Well, as the NCO, I also was a uh, uh, 42 Alpha, like Sergeant Major. Um, I actually began my career a little later in life. Uh, I joined 10 years ago after living a fast-paced life in the insurance industry in Chicago. I decided that you know, I want to slow it down a little bit and join the army. Um, I'm really being facetious, but uh, <laughs> um, so uh, I joined just because we want to try something different um, for, for both me and my family. And um, it's been an amazing experience. And what I really, um, I really think I hit the jackpot when I chose the uh, the AG Corps, and uh, I love it. And that's why I decided to try to become a warrant officer and uh, enjoying it. This is my first duty station as. So what, what was your impression of uh, Warrant Officer Candidate School? What, what, what do you remember from that? What I remember is um, walking away <laughs> in the feeling of, like, I am so glad that this is over <laughs> ever again. You know, there was, a, there was a, um, a saying that we didn't get it right away when we first got there. People would randomly drive by and yell out, it gets better. <laughs> and first thought it was a joke, but then it continued. Everybody would say it all the time. And then like, when? When does it get better? <laughs> and so I, I really enjoyed when I walked away and I had my bags and I saw a, a, the class that was marching beside me and I said to him, it gets better. <laughs> and just walked on with a smile on my face. Yes. Okay, great. All right. Well, thank, with uh, that, we're going to move on. we got a lot of topic, good topics to cover today. So uh, we're going to start with focusing on personnel leaving Korea. We're approaching the big PCS season. And so one, one of the big topics with that is making sure your evaluations and awards are finalized or all ready so that they hopefully can be presented before you leave. So, uh, ma'am, what are some best practices for that? Get it done early and get it in now if you haven't already uh, done so. Um, we are processing quite a few awards. Um, so please just uh, buckle down and get it in so that it can be processed and presented on time um, and you know, the best practices for, for any soldier, it doesn't matter the rank, is that you have your evaluation and your award complete before you PCS. And Sergeant Major, what are some common errors you see for like NCOERs um, in the new, in the new, we've been in this new system for a while, but there's, are there still some common errors people run into when they're submitting on that? So common errors that uh, the writer and the senior writer can address before it even reaches up to HRC is to ensure that uh, the administrative data for that soldier, that rated NCO or rated officer is correct. Um, It's very important to get into the regs and understand that the MOS that is presented on the evaluation meets the criteria, which is five, seven, and nine. Um, And also just making sure that the duty title that that soldier or that, that rated NCO or officer uh, works in matches what is actually on the MTO as well as as well as the duty MOS on there. So those are some common errors that we find. Also, some other common errors that the writer and the senior writer can avoid is to ensure that if there are counseling dates, to make sure those counseling dates are 
annotated on the evaluation. And if for whatever reason that rated soldier did not get a counseling, the senior rater is required by regulation to annotate that no, uh, no counseling was conducted during the rating period. Okay. I didn't know that. That's interesting. And, um, she, I, mean, I almost said it again, Mr. Bollinger. Um, what about, what about awards? What are some common errors you see for the awards that people can um, avoid? Well, one of the, the common things that you tend to see is, well, just in terms of the template itself is if a soldier is in the army, I know the block says what branch they're in, but please leave it blank. Don't put army in there. That's just one of the common things. Um, there tends to be, you got to watch for a lot of grammatical errors. Um, yes, they, we, we like to say, you know, you know, generally free of errors, but um, and, and overall we can do a better job at making sure that grammatically that stuff reads correctly or right um, and, um, and speaks to what the, the soldier did while at the same time making sure that you're not incorporating things that may a soldier may have already received credit for because we've seen that where mm-hmm. um, perhaps they receive AAM for um, or they were they want they were um, NCO of, of the of the of the uh, quarter or whatnot and but you can't speak on that as a part of this particular uh, um, award. So if you get like an impact award, that's those achievements are off the table for like a PCS. Absolutely. And um, big one we've we've seen so far is is uh, for de- we've talked about soldiers needing a, a COVID a negative COVID nineteen test when they're arriving in Korea, but you you also need one when you're departing Korea too. That's correct. So um, is it the same rules for that? Is seventy two hours? Is that is it the same rules for leaving as it is arriving? Currently, as it stands today, it is you have to have the negative PCR test seventy two hours prior to departure. And so that's something, if you just look at your D-Rose date, you know that's when, or when you know you're departing, that's something you can proactively plan for. It's just part of your checklist. Correct. Or when you're flying, it, when, if you've got your flight arrangements already and your ticket booked, 72 hours prior to that, just go down to the clinic, let them know that you are um, PCSing, and you have to have that, and they'll do that right, right then and there. And... Um, we always t- hear about levy briefs for, for when we're leaving CONUS, when we're coming overseas. Sergeant Major, what can you say about levy briefs for departing Korea? So when it comes to the levy briefings, um, the MPD here at Camp Walker, they do send us a, a list of who the individuals are that must attend the levy briefings. And we make sure we get that out to the subordinate um, companies or battalions to ensure that those soldiers are notified. Um, what we have to just keep in mind is that when that soldier attends that levy briefing, they have 30 days after attending the levy briefing to return their levy packets, a completed levy packet, back to the um, the G1 so that we can forward that to MPD. And if my memory serves me correctly, MPD does try within 10 days to get those that soldier's PCS orders to them so they can start making those necessary arrangements to move either themselves or themselves and their families and any additional um, pets that they may have out of out of Korea. And staying on that families part, is there anything extra um, soldiers with families here need to keep in mind for when, when they're departing Korea? Yes. Um, you have to just keep in mind that 
when they get ready to depart Korea, that they understand that they need to make sure they can tra- they know how to transfer their Tricare benefits when they get ready to leave because the Tricare benefits are significantly different overseas than they are depending on where they're going. Also, making sure that they have those passports that they may need um, when their soldiers when their family members are getting ready to travel, especially if maybe a Patriot Express flight is completely booked and they have no choice but to fly commercial. And then also making sure that if they have school age kids when they depart here. They they have those records for when they get ready to go back to the States and it's time for them to enroll their children to school again. Okay. Sounds good. And with that, we are going to take a little break and we're going to come back and talk about all about personnel coming to Korea. Stay with us right here on the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. This is Sean Johnson, the Area 4 Outdoor Rec Manager. Do you like adventure? Do you love high adrenaline activities? Do you enjoy exploring Korea? The Warrior Adventure Quest program is a Department of the Army program designed to introduce soldiers to activities such as zipline, bungee jump, paintball, ATV, and more that serves as alternatives to potentially dangerous behaviors. The program is free to soldiers. Outdoor recreation includes transportation to and from the site and the cost of the activity. For more information and participation rules, please call your local outdoor recreation center located here in Area 4 at 763-2270 or 763-4562 or by stopping by the Camp Walker Community Center. Hope to see you here. Welcome back. I'm Staff Sergeant Ross, joined again by the 19th ESC G1 team of Lieutenant Colonel Nieto, Warrant Officer 1 Corey Bollinger, and Sergeant Major Witter. And we were talking uh, before the break about personnel departing Korea, best practices for that. Let's talk about personnel coming to Korea, leaving CONUS or another location. And uh, one of the big priorities in the Army last couple of years really has been sponsorship, like gaining unit sponsorship. Um, ma'am, what can you say about how, how 19th ESC handles sponsorship? I, I think overall, overall we do a great job. Um, sometimes it's difficult at best, particularly with those coming from um, TRADOC schools, um, and they may not have a sponsor, but for personnel coming actually to the 19th ESC, um, we do a really good job um, as far as getting the information to the inbound soldier, you know, what the command's about, um, what their positions are, linking them up with um, their predecessor, um, and and just trying to get to know what that battle rhythm is because you're going to hit the ground running when you come to 19th. And um, for me, uh, you know, I got pushed slides like 60 days prior to me uh, departing, so at least I could take a look at what was going on and, and what to expect. Um, so, and if, if you don't have a sponsor, you know, it's important to reach out to someone um, so that you can get linked up with someone here prior to arrival. But communication is really the biggest thing. Definitely. And when, when you're talking about coming to Korea, this for a lot of these soldiers and families, it's their first mm-hmm. time even out of the country. So beyond like what the job and duty titles are, what, how can a good sponsor help you know, ensure a good reception at the unit, Sergeant Major? So we have to ensure that with the sponsor that we link the best sponsor with that soldier. So having a single soldier link up with a married soldier that is coming here with their families may not be the best practice, but we understand that circumstances may, um, circumstances within the organization may 
prevent that from happening. So when we have married soldiers linked up with married soldiers that are sponsoring it, that's coming here with families, um, a good practice to understand is that understanding what command sponsorship is and then also understanding um, housing requirements on the installation. So those that are here in Area 4, you I, you have to understand that the soldiers may work at Carroll, but they also they reside here, uh, on Walker. So that sponsor with good reception will have a better understanding of that. And um, Mr. Bollinger, over to you. What um, so with the sponsorship, it's an internal system that we you know we develop an internal program, but it still uses the ACT system. That's still yes. part of it, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And um, just to expound on what's already been said a little bit when it comes to um, communication, what's really key, specific specifically here for for Korea is having that communication. And if the so if the soldier can, uh, if the if the sponsor is making sure that they know when when that new soldier is coming in, that it plays a key role in us being able to properly support all of our incoming soldiers. I say that because in this in this environment with COVID and having the quarantine process in place, we need to make sure that um, there is somewhere for them to be able to quarantine. And so having all of that understanding is, is, is why um, there's been a big push to, to uh, watch those numbers and see what's going on um, in terms of when, who, when to expect soldiers to come in. Because as of right now, just, you know, a soldier really, they have a report date. They can come before that report date. But there's, you know, other effects that come along with, with doing that early in this, in this environment. So uh, that's key. Um, so, and as a, as a sponsor, you making sure that you know what, what that soldier is planning on doing and then what you can do to help them be, be um, better prepared for the experience of coming to Korea, that is key. So um, communicating across the board. And yes, ACT is the, is the process that is used. And it is a good system that is used uh, to, for, for you as a sponsor to go in and put your information in and properly fill out Section 3. Section three. And, um, but, but beyond all that, and, and the soldiers filling out their, their proportion is actually communicating not just filling out forms. Mm-hmm. So. Definitely. And mentioning quarantine, do you, um, it's, it's a burden on incoming soldiers, obviously. It's kind of just a, our way of life now. But mm-hmm. do you think quarantining kind of offers an opportunity for sponsors to and maybe integrating soldiers at that time where they can, you know, get more communication maybe while they're in quarantine or read through those slides, ma'am, that you mentioned you got? Um, absolutely. Um, you know, at least after the first couple of days, just so that you can reset the internal um body clock uh so yes it it does provide that and so um going forward they are transitioning uh, the quarantine facilities to be able to do some of that um in processing and it at least the the overall for the peninsula and then the more specific for your duty station then will occur whether you're Camp Casey, um, Carol, or here down in Daegu. Roger that. So that was a new, relatively new USFK order, and I think is that just for vaccinated personnel, or can anyone do that? It, so it's uh, my understanding that it's for vaccinated uh, USFK personnel. But yeah, more more incentive to get that vaccination makes things a little smoother when you arrive here. Um, and so the we have some information about the the new AIP, Sergeant Major, the Assignment Incentive Program. What what can you tell me about that program? 
So the assignment incentive program is essentially an incentive uh, tool to ensure that we have key personnel or key MOSs that remain here on the peninsula. So if there are certain MOSs, especially specific to 19th ESC, like our 31 Bravos that may have the ASI of Quebec 9 or Victor 5, um, through skill level um, 10 through 50, there's a $6,000 bonus or a payment that they will receive if they elect to extend an additional 12 months to remain here. Um, if that soldier's MOS or warrant officer MOS like the 920 Alphas is also a six uh, $6,000 incentive pay, if they do not fall within those uh, key MOSs, they also, those soldiers like 42 Alphas would get $3,600 if their AIP is approved. And that would be paid you even in many cases, you wouldn't need to extend your contract, right? Because it would just, or would you, you wouldn't need to re-enlist to get that? So the incentive, um, the assignment incentive program is different from retention. Um, these are people, these are soldiers or officers that will probably um, just want to extend here. We do look at that when that information does come through, those requests come through G1 to ensure that they have the time they need to remain here or the time they have, the remaining time they have um, their contract will support an, an incentive um, program or an extension. But also there are other key checks that goes along with that. Of course, it has to go all the way to 8th Army. So if we, for, you know, to human, to areas to be human, um, if we miss anything here in the G1, there is also other checkpoints, i.e. the 8th Army, because it goes to the 8th Army for approval. But those soldiers that are on assignment and they submit an AIP, they have to understand that that request will go all the way to HRC for the final approval. So, yeah, if, if you're... If you think your MOS applies to that, you talk. You're interested in talk to your local S1 to see see if you got all the um, checks you need for that. Because yeah, that that's 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 no small small amount of money. You know, for some soldiers, that's that could be a big check. Yes. Um, and so let, let's talk. And then there's the uh, in place for an intra theater consecutive overseas tour. So how how does that affect um, assignments? So it would um, affect assignments in that we will keep uh, our strength here in 19th ESC, especially if they're talking to stay in place. So if a soldier is here in um, Area 4 and they like, let's say, 25th Trans um, Battalion, if they like 25th Trans, they will stay in 25th Trans. They will just uh, request a IPCOT is what we call it. For the IPCOTs, those are the inner theater um, consecutive overseas tours. So that soldier can apply for that with the understanding that HRC um, has the um, leeway to say, okay, you can stay in Korea, but you're going to move from Camp Carroll, or you're going to move from Camp Henry, and you're going to go to Camp Humphreys, or you're going to go to Camp Casey, if that's where that particular MOS, and if the strength supports that. Okay. So, yeah, in, intra just means, you know, staying in Korea, but maybe moving units yes. like that. And how, how, um, how common is that? How, how often do we, do we see soldiers doing that? So what we typically see, um, the most popular um, personnel action we see is not really the in-place or the intra-theater. We mainly see consecutive overseas tours. So that's for that soldier that wants to stay overseas is what we mainly see being processed through G G1. But those that want to stay in, we don't necessarily see a lot of IPCOTs or intra-theater, but we will see a lot of foreign seas tours extensions um, requests. And are there, are there any key limiters on doing a consecutive, especially for like families, like if you want to go from Korea to Germany or Korea to Japan, is there any anything people need to keep in mind before trying to do that? Well, I would say 
just like they have to do the same thing coming here to Korea is uh, you have to go through the process of requesting command sponsorship if you're trying to go somewhere else. Uh, so you just have to look into that theater's um, process of how they how you go about to to, uh, to apply for it. But I also just wanted to um, point out that one of the big differences you see between the, the AIP uh, versus doing one of the COTS, whether intra um, or in place or whatnot, is both both of those options they extend you here overseas but one is just monetary with the AIP versus if you do and one of the cots we're saying this is another tour we're saying this is another assignment so you also it also triggers you to, to get the benefit of being able to get a flight to go back to home station um overseas um in between uh your your actual PCS move if you will oh. uh, however um, you can request to have that um, deferred and used at a, a later time before really? yeah before your tour your next tour is up um, but so so that is a really big incentive for, for those who who uh, want to extend here on the pin but they just really want to go home um, or maybe they want to go somewhere else and they want to be able to utilize that that flight and I should specify that flight gets you back to Conus it doesn't necessarily once you get there on on Conus the, the rest of the flight back home, whether you want to go from Seattle, where you get to Seattle, and you want to go all the way to New York, that's going to be on you. I see. Uh, but um, so those are are um, things that we we tend to see um, a lot of, of requests come through. But one thing I noticed from my foxhole is we tend to see those coming late in the game. Mm-hmm. When I say late, I'm talking about they're getting near the end of their their tour here. And so now we're scrambling, trying to see if we can get this this assignment approved or extension approved or whatnot, and that can lead to some other problems. So I highly recommend that each soldier, shortly after you get here, you know, and you, you start thinking about, do I want to stay longer? Um, don't wait too late. Mm. You know, please make that decision. You know, I, I think you know if you if you know you want to stay here and you enjoy being in the, where you're at in here in Daegu or whatnot, do the AIP. Um, and just do it right away, so that way you don't have to worry about will it get approved. Um, and you're not on pins and needles, and all of a sudden you come on orders, and it becomes a big ordeal. Um, and I would think for more junior soldiers, the uh, the, IP, the IPCOT and AIP is attractive too because you just have more control over your next assignment. Because often junior soldiers, you know, it can be can go almost anywhere, you know, mm-hmm. after your first assignment. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's very important that they make that decision probably within the first 90 days that they're here because HRC mm-hmm. will tend to place a soldier on assignment when they're at that halfway mark, that six-month mark remaining here in Korea, or maybe even that five-month mark when they're remaining here in Korea. And then that's the typically that's why we see oftentimes an influx on FSTEs because those soldiers have already been placed on assignment, and that's when it's, the light bulb go off. Oh, I really like it here. Um, so I want to stay here. So let me see what I can do. But with soldiers have to understand that when they wait so late in the game to Mr. Bollinger's point is that it is at the discretion of HRC now. Mm-hmm. So if our, our losing, in this case, the losing unit strength does not support that soldier staying here, then that soldier will move on to their next duty assignment. If um, in some cases, if the gaining unit, strength does not support that soldier um, proceeding with that assignment instruction, that is also a, a reason why that soldier will remain here. So um, it is very important that soldiers probably within that first 
60 days or 100 and, or excuse me first 90 days or maybe 120 days that they make the decision and it's also very important that leaders get involved especially with junior soldiers that are fresh here out of AIT to get involved with them and explain to them their options as it pertains to remaining here in Korea. And one more thing to touch on with command sponsorship. Um, what about at the losing installation level? What are some best practices for people getting their command sponsorship packet together? You know, because I understand like everything has to be complete before it's sent forward. Is that right? Yes. Um, so when it comes to the losing installation, we every installation is different um, as far as how they process and how what the soldier has to do. Um, as far as obtaining EFMP uh, screenings for their soldiers to come here. So, yes, uh, 8th Army will not process any incomplete packets. The packet, once it gets here, it has to be completed. Um, and it is 30 calendar, excuse me, 30 calendar days within receiving a completed packet. So it's very important that soldiers, once they are com- once they receive their assignment instructions or they cap out, I guess you could say, and they've been notified that they are on assignment and they do plan on bringing their families here to make sure that they take the necessary steps to, if that soldier's uh, dependents receive care off the installation that they get all those documents to make sure those documents are turned into EFMP. Because sometimes that can even take longer. And with the COVID environment that we're mm-hmm. operating in, that may um, extend the time frame on when that civilian provider may provide some of that information. And it's also very important that uh, they just get involved, be more involved in the process and not typically wait until they have that time. And with the peak of... Um, PCS season, those appointments for EFMP tend mm-hmm. to book up faster than they would normally right. do um, in the the off season for PCS moves. Yeah, something I found out when I was um, leaving my last installations, we we utilized off post care and just the time and paperwork it takes to get like those documents released from the mm-hmm. civilian agency to get, be given to the army. Um, that's something. Yeah, you really got to get rolling as soon as you can. And then EFMP will not do anything with it until they have all of the packets. So they can't truly. So even if a soldier takes their family members and they get evaluated, they will not complete the evaluation of whether or not it's warranted or not warranted until they've received all the documents from a civilian provider or from a military provider. Okay. And uh, shifting gears a little bit again. Um, so, ma'am. Well, we we had an article on the Women in Motion Symposium, which you and and Sergeant Major, I saw you were there too. Um, so you can the Women in Motion Symposium. Uh, if you go on the, our website, nineteenth Army Mill slash nineteenth ESC, it was a really um, amazing event. And I think you were maybe one of the first presentations, ma'am. Um, what what can you tell me about being a part of event an event like that? It, it was totally awesome. Um, it was great to see uh, the Sharp community come together, uh, but the community as a whole. Uh, come together to to listen to all the different presentations, you know, diversity and inclusion, um, you know, w- things that we can do um, for ourselves, y- you know, and to um, career wise, you know, just choices that we make, just really different topics to to listen to and participate in. Uh, team building events were really great because it, you know, just simple games taught you, you know, made you look at things differently. Um, you know, because, I mean, we've all played games, but, you know, the the type of games that they played really focused in on working as a team. And so 
which is what we want to do all day long, you know, within our directorates and divisions to be able to accomplish the mission. So it was it was a really great event, um, and it was the first. Uh, and I highly recommend that you know that that type of symposium um, it, travel to the different areas uh, because it it really brought to light just a different uh, a different aspect and and how you look at things, um, you know, and. And going forward, how you can use those tools that, that we learned at the symposium uh, to better, you know, our work life and our daily life. Absolutely. I don't know how anyone couldn't have taken something positive from that because I, I, I was blown away by it. Yeah. And um, hopefully, yeah, they continue that. So, yeah, if you go to army.mil slash 19ESC, you can read about that. And um, closing out, I um, just wanted to talk about um, we, we always talk uh, our guests about what their favorite experiences here in Korea were, if, if someone is listening to this who hasn't been to Korea before. So, Mr. Bollinger, um, is this your first time um, on the peninsula? Yes, this is my first time on the peninsula, and I'm here with my family. Awesome. So yes. what, what, how, how have your family liked it? Oh, uh, we're liking it more and more as the days go by, and, and you know, we're, Korea is being opened up to us a little more uh, because of, of COVID. Uh, so uh, uh, we, we have uh, some, some uh, plans coming up for this summer. My wife's getting all t- all together, and so we can go out and see some new things. But so far, we had a chance to go around uh, Daegu a little bit, go downtown, and get some good food. And so, oh, yeah, so much good food. Oh yes, oh yes. And ma'am, you mentioned you were at Eighth Army. I, I was previously at Yongsan too. So, okay. is this your first time in Area Four? It is down here. So, it is. what's been your impressions down here? This is a very quiet, beautiful resort area, particularly with the mountains. Um, so for me, um, anybody listening, if you come to Daegu, bring your hiking shoes, uh, or boots, um, not tennis shoes, um, because they've got some steep boulders that you're going to be climbing over. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, you get, you get to see the wildlife, um, you know, particularly the birds, uh, here in Korea, um. And, and they're different than they are in the States. So, Very. Um, yeah. And and so it's it's different than being in Seoul. You know, Seoul is, you know, big metropolis. There's a lot to see, a lot of history. But there's a lot of history down here in Daegu, too. Definitely. Yeah, well, I'm taking my family to Seoul for the first time this weekend. Oh, you're going to love it. They're mm-hmm. going to, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's, you're right that it's very different from Seoul, but mm-hmm. different in, in good ways. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And, Sergeant Major, how about you? What, what's, what's been something you'll, you'll remember from this tour in Korea? So, since the majority of my tour here has been under COVID-19 <laughs> <laughs> restrictions. <laughs> but um, I will say that it is such a peaceful um, location, probably by far one of the most peaceful locations I've been um, since I've been in the Army. And I will take from it the being able to walk by the lake. And it's just such a peaceful and common and tranquil. Um, tranquil location to walk and just to see the activity that goes on down by the lake and then um, the scenery from the climbing the mountain that my <laughs> my G1 talks about so um, so eloquently um, is that the the views that you get to see and the being able to appreciate the beauty um, of this region. Well said. Okay. Well, um, I want to thank you all for uh, being a part of this today. Thanks for coming by our office. And um, if you are listening to the 19 DSC Every Soldier Count podcast but haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and see our new website at army.mil slash 19 DSC. I'm Staff Sergeant Adam Ross, and we'll talk to you next time. 